0: Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today.
1: A reading from the first book of Kings, chapter 17, verses 8 through 24. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath and the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. This is the word of God for the people of God.
0: God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, as we gather this morning, worshiping and praising your name, speak to us. Speak to us so clearly with an abundance of words that our hearts are filled. Our hearts are filled to the point that we are overflowing and that we realize that we have received enough today, enough for our lives, enough to go forward and that we would leave this place so that those words echoing in our souls and our hearts would transform our lives so that we would be not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. There was a drought upon the land. It was hard times. Everyone knew it and a stranger drifted into town and the first person he met, he looked him in the eye and said, I'm new to town, do you have any food? And the person that he met looked at him and said, buddy, you best move on. Can you not see that there's a drought upon the land that times are tough? There is no food in the town. There's not enough for us to eat. Anyone that has food has just a few morsels, which won't last long. You best move on. The stranger said, don't worry. I've got a recipe. I've got a recipe to make a stew to beat the band, and that there is so much that everyone will have enough to eat. The townspeople's eyes perked up, And looking at him where he just had his traveling clothes, they couldn't figure out how he was going to make this happen. And then he said further, the stranger, he said, I need a cauldron full of water and on a blazing fire. You'll see. And so quickly, they drug a cauldron out in the middle of the streets. They built a fire up around it, filled it with water. And soon the water was beginning to roll, beginning to boil. And from inside of his coat, he took a perfectly smooth stone and he dropped it in the pot. And then he started to stir the water a little bit. And everybody looked at him like, "Okay, oh, I can't believe he's doing this. Where's this great stew that he talked about? And he started, he says, not right yet, yet. Not quite ready yet. He stirred a little bit more and he finally, he took a spoon out and he tasted it. They had expectant eyes. And he just shook his head, he goes, it's missing something. It's missing something. I'm not sure what. And someone goes, I bet it's missing potatoes. I've got a couple of potatoes here. Let me chop them up and put them in. And before he could protest, they were chopped up and dumped in the pot. He said, that might do. He stirred a little longer. He tasted the soup, Expectant eyes, same response. It's not quite ready yet. Someone else said, I bet it's carrots. I bet it's carrots. Here, let me chop up the two carrots I have. And they put them in the stew. And this continued time and again. And soon there were lima beans and green beans, corn, and even some sausage. And every time he kept stirring it, he would taste it. It's not quite ready yet. It's missing something. And more things went into the pot. And finally, Someone says, I know what it needs, salt and pepper. And they added those two things and he tasted it, and he goes, ah, it's perfect. And pretty soon everyone in the town grabbed their bowls, and they lined up and he began to ladle out the soup. And it's just as he had promised, there was this great soup, everyone ate till their stomachs were full and there were still leftovers in the bottom of the pot. A simple man who had realized that when we contribute what we have, when we give what we have, that it's just enough for all the world. What a great story. See, the prophet Elijah, when he walked into Zarephath, when he walked in there, he found the same sort of problem, the same dilemma that there was drought and famine in the land. There wasn't enough to eat and though the Lord had promised him that there would be a widow that would take care of him when he saw her, what was she doing? She was gathering six to go home and make one final loaf of bread, probably no much bigger than if you imagine putting two biscuits side by side so she and her son would have something to eat. See, she had no hope. The famine had been going long enough and because she was a widow and in the custom of the day, if a widow, if your husband did not have a brother to take you in when he died, you were just destitute. So she was on her own with her son and had nothing going for her. And so she was gonna make one final meal, as the text says, and then they were gonna die. Utter hopelessness utter hopelessness. But as she did that, Elijah believed something completely different. He'd been told something by God. And so he asks her, go and do as you said, but would you first make a loaf of bread for me? Then make one for yourself. I mean, was he not listening? Did he not hear what she told him? That there's only so much flour, there's only so much oil, I'm gonna go make one small loaf and then we're going to die. Starved to death. But he didn't listen, did he? He knew something else. And he said, I promise you, if you will go and do that, that there will be enough flour and oil to make loaves of bread day in and day out until God brings water upon the land, ending the drought. And he was right as the text records. Sure enough, he was right. And there every day there was enough bread for them, enough for them to eat every day. It's an interesting story, isn't it? I mean, you've got hard times, this bold request, maybe even a little bit of uh, disbelief on our part, but all is going to be okay. I mean, this idea of God's impossible mathematics, this idea that you could take a small pile of flour and a small jar of oil and continue to eat upon it day in and day out, but that's because God's promise showed up. That's because God was there, that even in the midst of apparent scarcity, that God's abundance is present and that there was just enough for every day. That's an interesting passage for you and me, isn't it? It's interesting for us to explore it and to think about it. I mean, how often do we enter the world with a a poverty of mindset where we focus not on what we have, but we focus on what we don't have and what we wish we had more of and the things that we cannot do because we don't have these things instead of realizing what we have right in front of us. This poverty of mindset ekes into the various corners of our lives, doesn't it? Where we worry about what we don't have and don't appreciate what's right in front of us. It affects the way we give. It affects the way we serve. It affects the way we live, doesn't it? But see, this is not how God wants us to live. God wants us to be where we trust in God. We listen to God. We realize that even when we think there's scarcity, that God has given us an abundance. And guess what? There's just enough for today. There's just enough for us. When I worked at the United Methodist Foundation, my work was in planned giving and in philanthropy. And along the years that I worked there, I developed this theory that people want to give like Bill Gates does. People want to to be a big philanthropist and do amazing things with their gifts, just like he does. But nine times out of 10, they stop. They clam up because they don't get past the fact they don't have his kind of wealth. They shut down because they see the amount of wealth that Bill Gates has and look at their own 401k, their own checking account, their own stock account, and they don't have that kind of money. I mean, very few people do, right? That poverty of mindset gets in their hearts and says, I can't give like that. But see, good philanthropy, good giving, It's not so much about the amount that you give, but it's how you give it, the quality of our hearts, where we give generously from what we have, because that will be enough when added with the gifts of others to make change in the world around us. That we give out of the abundance that God has given to us, that we can make a change in the world around us. There's a woman in one of my former churches. She told me this story. She said, Glenn, you said, I I really want you to know that when I was growing up, we didn't have much. We were rather cash strapped. Sometimes we would race to the end of the month and we weren't sure if there was gonna be any jingle left in the jar. But let me tell you, that never stopped us from tithing. That never stopped us from looking at what God had blessed us with and returning to God 10% of it because we had been given so much. And do you know what happened? We never got to the end of the month where we didn't have everything covered. We always gave first to the church because the church had given so much to us. Sometimes we forget that even in the heart of scarcity, she said, that we have an abundance and we can give enough to change the world. See, sometimes I think that we operate our lives out of this idea of a poverty mindset where we don't think that we have enough, but yet if we had Bill Gates' kind of money, we could give Bill Gates' kind of gifts. But what you and I have, we can make big gifts today because we have been given an abundance of blessings from God, have we not? Maybe if you're still struggling with this, maybe if this describes you, I invite you to take a challenge with me. For the next 90 days, I invite you to do just what that woman shared with me. I invite you to tithe what you have been given, what you earn. And for 90 days, just tithe and see what a difference you make in the world through the ministries of this church and see that you have enough. Instead of a scarcity, that you have an abundance of blessings and you can make a gift that makes enough of a difference in the world to fulfill the mission and ministries that God has called us to. Not scarcity, but abundance and just enough. Some years ago, my phone rang. It was a college friend of mine. He said, I gotta tell you something funny that happened today. And I said, okay. He said, you work in the church, right? Yes. He said, so the church calls me. I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. He says, the church calls me. He says, you ever guess what they asked me to do? He said, they called me and asked me if I would teach seventh grade Sunday school. Now, Glenn, this class they told me is full of basically seventh grade boys and a couple of girls. God help them. But they asked me to teach this class. I mean, is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard? I'm going to tell them no. I don't know where this is supposed to be funny yet, but he says, I'm going to tell them no. And because I was the one that used to make that phone call recruiting Sunday school teachers, I went to meddling. I said, why? Now you could have knocked him over with a feather when I said that. He said, Glenn, I barely understand the Bible. I mean, I got that figured out. The devil is bad, God is good, and everything else works itself out, right? You got that. He says, I got that. He says, all I got. He says, I'm not a teacher by training. I'm an engineer. I know nothing about this teaching stuff. I mean, I don't even know how to use a flannel board. I wanted to tell him, dude, they haven't used flannel boards in this century. But I decided I would let that sit. He goes, and then there's kids. He says, I don't even like my own kids. Why would I want someone else's? So I said to him, Have you ever thought that maybe they called you because they don't need a teacher that knows it all? They want someone that will learn the Bible right alongside the students. Have you ever thought that they called you because those seventh graders need someone who will treat them not like children, but like young adults? budding men and women. Have you ever thought that they called you because you don't know what you're doing and you all would learn and teach it the only way you knew how, by stories and life experience and not with the latest education techniques? Well, maybe. That was the response. The conversation turned to something else. I called him a couple of months later and he said, guess what? I said, what? He goes, I'm teaching Sunday school and I love it. He's still teaching Sunday school. He loves it. And guess what? The seventh graders love him too. They cannot wait when they're sixth graders to go to his class. They hate to leave it when they go to the eighth grade because there's somebody that's learning right alongside them that cares for who they are that lifts them up. See, sometimes I think this poverty of mindset, we focus on what we cannot do and what we don't think we're equipped to do. And so we say no quicker than we could say yes. But you know what's wrong with that? Is the God that loves you and me, the God that created you and me knows more of what we're capable of than we do. And so sometimes when we are called to serve, we need to take a step back and realize that while we think we have a scarcity of gifts or a scarcity of things to offer, maybe what we have is an abundance of what the world needs. I mean, think about all the needs that are going on around the world. There's an abundance of those. There's an abundance of need for leaders and teachers and caregivers, people to be the hands and feet of Christ. And yet there's a scarcity of volunteers. Maybe what is happening is that you and I are called to use the gifts that God has buried deep in our hearts, embedded in who we are to step forward. And our gifts are enough. If we have that Elijah kind of faith, we can say, I know it doesn't make a lick of sense, the math doesn't add up, but maybe we are being called to serve. That we are enough to help the world, that we are enough to love the world, that we have enough to heal the world, enough to teach, enough to care, enough to make the difference in the world around us. If we will turn off the mindset of scarcity, Because see, I think God knows what you and I can do better than we will ever know. And God is calling us to go forward. God is calling us to serve. And so if that phone call comes this week, the phone call comes and asks you to do something and you think, I have no idea why they called me, maybe we should just listen deep in our hearts and realize that God knows that we've been given an abundance of gifts and we are just, enough of the right person to change the world. For years, I had on my desk a little round coin, wooden coin, if you will, and it had on one side of it these letters, T-U-I-T, to it. Now, I've since lost this thing. I don't know whether I lost it in a move or whether it got validated. Read that to mean shoot up by the dog, but it's gone. But I've never forgotten this, this round to it. It was given to me by somebody just to remind me that so many times in life, we sort of say things like, well, I'll clean out the garage. What? When I get around to it, I'll exercise when I get around to it. I'll eat healthily when I get around to it. And so the person gave it to me says, now you have a round to it. In other words, do it. Right? I mean, how many times in life have we said things like, well, I've got these hopes and these dreams and these things I want to do. Maybe I'll do it when I get my first job. Or maybe I'll do it when I get settled down or when we have kids or maybe when the kids get to high school, they go off to college. Maybe when I retire. We sort of have these hopes and dreams and we have this poverty mindset that tells us that now is not the time. And so we'll do it later. We'll do it at some magical moment out there. Well, what that poverty mindset does, it robs us of time. I mean, there's sometimes they're more perfect than others, but there's never the perfect time to do things, is there? See, I think God wants us to live life to its fullest and not to wait, not to put things off, not to push things down the road. It's like that line out of the Shawshank Redemption, get busy living or get busy dying. See, I think that's what happens is I think so many times we keep pushing things off and we've missed the opportunities, the richness that God wants for us. See, so I think God wants that abundant life where we live without fear, we live with joy, we live in community. And so sometimes we think that there's a scarcity of time, this scarcity of opportunity, when really all around us there is an abundance, isn't it? And if we just take advantage of it, we find that it's enough for us. It's enough. So while I don't have a wooden disc with the letters T-U-I-T on it, maybe today we realize the time is to get around to it. So I don't know when you walked in the doors this morning, what was going on in your mind, sort of how you approach life. Maybe you approach it with this poverty of mindset where it robs you of realizing the abundance of life that God has for you, that God will give us enough because we have been given so much already. But here's what I think. I think if we give out of our convictions, if we serve out of our giftedness, if we live life with the confidence of joy around us, then we find better yet what God wants for us. If we live with a mindset that we can do great things with what we have already been given, then what we find that is we combine it with the gifts and the opportunities of those around us and that we have enough. That we make a fine stew for our world and we create an opportunity that the kingdom of God grows and that there is enough for everyone, because God's love is poured out over each and every one of us today. Where we might think that there is a scarcity, there really is an abundance. And we have just enough for today, for ourselves and for all the world. And as we rise tomorrow, the same will be true again and again and again. And that, my brothers and sisters, brings about the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.